Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Andrew Hale. Uh, Before we do dive in, um, Pastor Brock and I were talking and just wanted to to make sure we brought awareness to something that we have as a church family heard prayer requests about and looking at the conflict over taking place in the Israel-Palestine area. And so maybe you're in the know on this, maybe you're not, but we put together just a little short something to, to be shared with our church family. So Hamas, officially the Islamic resistance movement, is a Sunni Islamist political and military organization that is the de facto government of Palestine in the Gaza Strip of the Palestinian territories. While it is headquartered in Gaza City, it also has a presence in the West Bank. Since the mid-1990s, Hamas has gained widespread popularity within Palestinian society for its perceived lack of corruption and its anti-Israeli stance. The group's attacks, including Suicide bombings against civilian targets and rocket attacks has led many academics and countries to designate Hamas a terrorist organization. A 2018 attempt to condemn Hamas for acts of terror at the United Nations failed. Hamas and Israel have had several wars in the Gaza Strip, which is under blockade in 2008 and 2009, in 2012, and in 2014. In the 2023 war, which began on October 7th, Hamas caught Israel by surprise, broke through the Gaza barrier, attacked military bases, massacred civilians, and took civilians and soldiers hostages, soldier hostages back to Gaza. Israel declared war, has attacked Gaza, and promised to destroy Hamas. There continues to be an outpouring of response around the world, and peace and relations are the preferred method of engagement. And amid the realities of the events of the last eight days, we encourage you to remember the Lord our God and his chosen people, the nation of Israel. We mourn the realities of war and the groans and tremors of a wounded world. Some heavy stuff. The realities of what is taking place. Life-altering, right? And so can you think about, can you point to a few moments in your life that were life-altering? And before you answer, fellas, just a a word to the wise. When I ask that question, life-altering moments, wedding day, birth of children, not so much the game day, not so much the concert, right? But placing wedding day, birth of your children ahead of those different things, just, just, just know that'll keep you from maybe a jab in the side. But think about some of those life-altering moments, those instances, I saw that, those life-altering instances where life just changed. So think on that, we'll come back. So last week, Pastor Brock continued in Titus chapter 2, and he hit on verses uh, 11 through 14, and he went into, and he and I talked this last week about, and it was pretty heavy, it was pretty heady. And it was looking at some of these different Christianese phrases that are theology, doctrinal statements that are kind of like, okay, I hear those words, and I guess if I put them together, I could kind of make sense of them. But some of them are like, what in the world do we do with this? So he talked about total depravity. He talked about unconditional election. He talked about limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Anybody able to quote anything from last week related to those? 
phrases? I don't know that I could, and I even got to look at the notes. Uh, But the reality of that is just looking at the glory of God, right? The glory of God, and it exists, and it's present, and it is ever-present, and it can be ever-near. And yet we have this sin that has separated us, and that we are sinners, even as we maybe are followers of Jesus today, to know that we are still sinners. And that as we bridge that gap, there's this man who came and lived and died. And connected the glory to wash over the sin. And this bridge in between. And so now we remember the sacrifice on the cross and we celebrate the empty tomb. And so this week we are kickstarting a new series. The word Titus, I don't think it will be mentioned again from this moment forward for this week. There is still a chapter 3 that Pastor Brock will be getting into next week. But we thought, let's go ahead, let's take a a brief pause from Titus and Crete and travel back to the U.S. and spend some time here before we journey onward. And so we're kickstarting a new series, and we're calling it Drip From Your Lips. It's a multi-week voyage preaching about the mouth, the tongue, the senses, the anointing and blessing of God, encouragement, flattery, life and death, joy and healing. And I'm looking forward to what it will include. So when I say the words drip from your lips, is there any sort of image that comes to mind right away? I hope so, because turn to a neighbor and take three words to tell them what image just came to mind. Turn to a neighbor, tell them, drip from your lips, what image comes to mind? There's a lot of uncomfortable movement in the room at the moment. I see some gasps. I see some chuckles. Dave Davis is still staring at me like, what did you just have us do? All right, we are awake, we are moving, we are alive here this morning. So when I say drip from your lips, I saw Lori like, ooh, I kind of like that. It it rhymes, there's kind of a flow to it. We can picture that dripping from our lips. So I'm going to kick us off here as we dive in with Proverbs 16, 24. And it says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So the words that we have, if they are gracious, could they be life-giving? Could they be sweet? Could they bring health to our soul and to our body? The answer is yes. What are we going to do with this thing? You know, as I think about dripping from your lips, the image that comes to mind for me is just luscious fruit. You know, maybe it's fresh peaches or it's crisp apples or maybe it's grapefruit at Christmas brunch. Anybody else? Grapefruit at Christmas brunch? A lot of head no. <laughs> Just put some sugar on top and scoop it out and it'll be yummy. That's something that we do with our family that my mom had us do. But we had these crisp apples at home and actually we've had a couple bags and finally ate one this morning and it was just perfect because I bit into it and it was immediately like coming down my mouth, coming down my chin. Who wants an apple? 
Sam. You didn't die for it? As I'm releasing, I thought, I'm going to make sure I'm not near Jeremy's head. And then it rained down on the Mason family. Yeah, that's right. Bring it, bring it, bring it. There you go. Thank you, John. See, we're making good out of this. If nothing else, we'll remember from today. You remember that time that Andrew threw an apple and destroyed it. I felt good about the power, though. Like, it could have bounced off. That's a crisp apple. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, I was going to pick... I have a picture of my kiddos, but that worked pretty well. Um, well, hey, looking at luscious fruit. So Kaylin, my daughter, who was up here with me, and she really likes a lot of different fruit, but especially peaches. And we have these either fresh peaches or oftentimes we'll get them cut up or we'll even buy the prepackaged ones that are in 100% juice. And so she'll eat every piece of that peach. And then she will drink the juice as it's running down her face and then she will ask for more. So go ahead and throw that first image up. So this was Kaylin. Yesterday she's eating an apple. It wasn't a peach. It was one of these apples. And the picture on your right was I said, Kaylin, I'm going to take a picture of you. And that was the face she made. She's gotten into this tongue sticking out thing. She probably gets it from me, but that's where it's at. So then the picture on the left, I said, Kaylin, will you please smile for me? And that was what came out was, I don't even know what to call that, but it was fun and I took a picture of it. So go ahead and move to the next one. But if you notice in these pictures, we're really honing in on the facial expressions here. And if you didn't notice for my daughter between when she was dancing in the aisle during music and then when she was up here, she doesn't sit still. And she's always going, always moving, always alive. And it is amazing and difficult to keep up with her sometimes. But she feels things so strongly. But if you'll notice, looking a little bit closer at her chin, I was hoping for a little more expressiveness when it came to how much juice, but there is a drop hanging from her chin in both pictures. She was enjoying the apple, and you'll notice there's peanut butter smeared around the side of her face, and she was just enjoying sitting on the kitchen counter eating an apple. And it was a Kaylin-sized apple, as she called it, because it was a real little something. And then Warren, my son, loves bananas. And any time in the morning we're trying to get breakfast going, and he's kind of letting us know that he's getting hungry, and he starts going, uh, right, uh, uh. Because he doesn't speak yet. And he, mama, mama. But he says like mama, mama, but he doesn't mean mama. Even though mom really wants him to say mama, he continues to use that as a more, more, more type word. But if you give him a banana, he is good. I'm not even talking unwrapped or unpeeled. I'm saying just give him a banana and he'll just sit there and touch it and hold it and move it. And he is entertained. We were riding with my father-in-law a couple weeks ago when we were harvesting over in Tipton. And uh, he and I were up in the, in the combine and uh, he found a bolt on the floor, and that entertained him for like 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, sometimes we just need a box or a bolt, or we need a banana, evidently. But he, uh, this morning even, he was like trying to bite it. But, but he, if you cut that thing open, he will eat every bite of banana possible. Same thing with strawberries. Strawberries, it'll be down his arms, it'll be all over the floor, because the juice is just flowing. 
and it's mouthful after mouthful, and it's handful into the mouth, and then it's like on the face, right? He doesn't know portion control. He doesn't know that like he could pick up just a few and get them all in his mouth. No, it's all in all the time. And so while we maybe laugh with it, this messy imagery, as I even pictured and tried to illustrate, this messy imagery is indicative of the ways in which God displays his lavish love. He delights in this. He delights in it being so abundant that we, can't even, we don't even know what to do with it. It's just overwhelming and it flows into our lives. And we're talking about his love, right? We're not talking about earning his favor so that he then blesses us. We're not talking about enduring his judgment until he comes through for us. We're talking about the love that he gives and he bestows. And we're talking about being submitted to Jesus where the Holy Spirit is the chief advisor, and we are living like Jesus. And when we do that, his love splashes on everyone around us. Psalm 71, 23 and 24 read, My lips shall shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me. So what do we do? What do I do when, okay, I'm going to follow this Jesus guy, and I want this to be an expression of my life, and yet I keep finding myself, instead of the juice of a banana, juice of a strawberry, or the juice of an apple, or the juice of God's goodness, instead I find dripping from my lips is blood because of the beating I keep taking in life. Are you weary? Are you woozy? Are you barely standing? Are your palms sweaty, knees weak, arms heavy? I wasn't sure if I could slide through that one or not without being noticed. What do I do when I keep loving and forgiving, but it keeps getting harder? What do I do when all I feel is overwhelmed? What do I do when all I feel is nothing? I'm numb. But I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to shout for joy. I don't even know what to do with my lips. I can't feel them. And sometimes the, the answer that we get, whether it's from the church or it's from friends or it's even from our own thoughts, is we can just remember the good times. Just wish for what was and maybe hope that something might change and just endure and make through life and just say, this is my lot. Just keep on keeping on and I'm just going to exist. I'm just going to go through I'm just going to deal. And maybe you can. Maybe you can point to moments in life that were life-altering. And think back to that wedding day and that wedding dress and that hairstyle. Maybe I can think back to the pictures from that day or the birth of my kid and what was that like and what was going on inside of me. And I can tell you, I, I kind of had an idea of what I thought it might be like, and I still don't really know what it felt like. It just was something different. It was new. But so often, even as we think back, what was it that was good? Our thoughts can just turn to, man, I can't believe I lost my job. I can't believe that injury took place. I can't believe that accident happened in my family. I can't believe that that person is no longer with us. That I'm dealing with this trauma, this hurt, this rehabilitation. Again, it can mess with our mentals. And change us. 
Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. That's pretty heavy. Rash words like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So where are those holes in your life? What are they? Where are those stab wounds? Where are those gaps, those missing places, those missing pieces because of what so-and-so did? Or even because of what I did? I'm now hurting. I'm now in pain. I'm now no longer what I was. Were you changed forever? And Pastor Ron Johnson says this. He says, you cannot get your brokenness healed until it comes out of your mouth. Healing comes by speaking. So we're going to go back to Psalms 71, 23, and 24 for just a moment. And it says, my lips will shout for joy. To use our mouth to speak and to allow that which is inside of us to come out and say, God, even in my pain, I'm speaking to you, Lord, what is real inside of me. And somehow that turns into shouts of joy. Is it out of that space of, God, I am talking to you and I am getting healing that there is brokenness here and I don't even know what to do with it, but I need to talk about it. Could it be that out of that comes opportunity to sing praises to God, even in spite of anger to him? Am I willing to sing praises? So that out of that we have been redeemed, not because of what we have done, right? Because we've got the glory here and we've got the sin here and there's this Jesus guy in between who died and rose again. There's nothing that I have done to redeem myself. And so often our thought can turn into, I got to do this and this and that and that. I got to make sure I get my tithing check in and I got to make sure that I look for that neighbor person that's in the grocery that I'm supposed to at least think about helping or, you know, whatever it might be. I find that checklist and I just think, man, if I could just, I'm just not doing the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. And so if I could just do the stuff, then, then Jesus will love me. But because he has redeemed as Jesus has, my tongue will talk of your righteous help. I can't help but speak about what he has done for me. We were talking yesterday in men's group, and we were talking about how can we just have doubts, and there's times where I just don't follow, I don't believe, I just don't know, God, if I'm pursuing you. I don't even know if I treasure you. And we were reminded, even in those spaces, even in those doubts, that our answer when we feel like we have fallen short, our answer when we don't know what to do, when we have the enemy in our ears saying, you did that and you know what you did. And yeah, you think you're forgiven, but you're not. And we say, I have been made righteous because of what Jesus did. It's, that's the answer. And it doesn't just solve all the problems magically, right? It's not like a snap of a finger and it's good. When it comes to going through the battle and the spiritual uncertainty and the loss and the pain and the the wounds that maybe we've even inflicted. But to believe that God comes through, that God is good, that God is enough. And that what Jesus did on the cross and the empty tomb is my answer to the enemy every time. And it's not an excuse to go on sinning, but it's my reason to go and sin no more. So this Jesus, he is about transformation. And J.D. Greer says, we are not just conforming our behavior to fit the social norms of the church or Christianity. We are being transformed of our minds and the daily discipline of laying down our lives as a living sacrifice. We're willingly climbing on the altar 
and saying, Jesus, I die to you, for you. No longer me. No longer my normal ways of operation. No longer my normal words. My normal way of treating. My normal behavior. Jesus, this is a new person. And would you change me? And I'm active in that. But he is the one doing the transforming. It's this odd, interesting mix of submission with action. And so what flows out of transformation is new. We are made new. So we get new attitudes. We get new behaviors. We get new ways of living with honor and dignity and gratitude. That we have a new mouth and a new tongue. So often it can be a struggle when it comes to the church, and the church doesn't do itself a ton of favors. And so often what we tend to do is we put out information. Let's learn about the Bible or about prayer or about even how to do things. But as Carrie Newhoff says, people are not looking for information. They're looking for transformation. Isn't that really what we want? Isn't that really what we're after? I don't want to just learn about changing things. I want to be made new. I want to be someone who has something different dripping from their lips than what I normally have coming out. And so even thinking back to this willingly climbing on the altar, it's every day, every day, every day. And I know that this, I have conviction in this, even this morning in prayer, I was reflecting on this is that I have a tendency in the mornings to just struggle to roll out of bed and drag myself. And All right, here we go. And now we're going to go about our day. Instead of it being, I'm ready to wake up. I'm looking forward to the day. It's kind of like, I'm going to do another one. And we're going to figure it out. Or we're going to do these things. And what's on the list? And how do we do all of it? And get it done. It's not the way I need to operate. But as we look at transformation, the key place today that we're looking at is to be transformed is the tongue. Because this thing, I think, I think everybody's got it, most everybody does, but a tongue can kill. It can crush. Anybody been crushed by someone else's words or even the words you spoke to someone else? Anybody else ever been destroyed because of what someone else said? You ever felt like you were stabbed in the back or your legs were cut out from under you because that person that you trusted did not turn out to be trustworthy. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So I'll say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So what are we going to do with this thing? It's a tool. It's not just a flavor sensor. But it's a muscle that we choose to use. And what are we going to choose to use it? On Just this last week, I was getting ready to leave with my kiddos. I've got them in the mornings, and I was taking them to where they go for child care. And we'd been having a good morning, and suddenly it wasn't. Because it was time to go, and kiddos weren't ready, and I mismanaged Kaylin's heart. And... Later, after some time, I apologized and I confessed to her just what I had done and it wasn't right, that it was wrong and that I had hurt her. But to know that whether it's when we speak it and we hurt or we speak it and we bring life, to know that 
every time we speak, we are naming our worldview and our reality. We are describing our view of creation. And often what we actually mean is a statement about creation. Maybe another way to put it is we are crafting creation in our image. Or another way to put it might be we try to recreate creation. And so often the way that we do that is with recreation. But Jesus does so with restoration. So I want to say that again. We are recreating creation. We often do so with recreation, but Jesus does so with restoration. And so people are drawn to safe environments. If you feel safe somewhere, do you want to go back to that place? Even if it ends up being a little bit of a different experience, it's still a safe place. People are drawn to those safe environments, those healing environments. And the church, this church, is to be a place of healing. And so often what happens is when we do not find healing in a church where we ought to be able to do that, we become wounded. And then we go and find it elsewhere. We go find places and people where we can relate. We can feel heard. We can feel understood. There's a camaraderie because we're in this thing. Even though we both are are dinged up, we are together in this. And so have you ever heard, if maybe it's someone in that group or a group you've heard of, or maybe it's an individual you know, you have heard someone just start going off about something. Maybe it's politics, maybe it's religion, whatever it might be. Has anybody ever experienced where you've just seen someone just spouting off some stuff? So Proverbs eighteen thirteen, this is from the NLT, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And it can be helpful to look at some different translations when we look at Scripture. And so this is the Good News translation. And it says, go ahead, Kyler. Listen before you answer. If you don't, you are being stupid and insulting. That's pretty clear. It's pretty helpful. Listen. We're not using this. We're using these. Because if you don't, you're being stupid and insulting. But as we even maybe chuckle about that, are we willing to admit, and maybe it's something that we've talked about from the pulpit or we talk about in church, but we talk about and actually believe is that our hearts are wicked, that our hearts need figuring out, and the Lord has a way of exposing the motives of our hearts. Maybe even here today, you came in with a certain thought, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to be a part of this thing, and maybe it's just been a different experience than you thought it would be, but really, what is the motive for why you're here? What's the motivating factor. And maybe even it's an example of of when you're in a conflict and you're both speaking at a high decibel and we're spouting and we start going off and we just can't help but respond and and whatever it might be and I'm going to, I don't like what you said, so I raise even louder. And what would happen if we stopped spouting and started listening? What would happen if we Listen with understanding to show that we actually cared about the other person instead of just going off. Because for some reason, the people we love the most are the people we're most willing to go off on. So for maybe at home, maybe Jessica and I, are, are she's speaking and, and I'm there in the kitchen and I'm leaning up against the counter and I'm, this is further than I thought, I'm listening as she continues to talk about her day, or she continues to talk about whatever took place, or she continues to talk about 
Caitlin or Warren or whatever they did or they should be doing. But I'm not spouting, right? I'm not going off on, Jessica, that's enough. Jessica, that, I understand you had a hard day. I'm not spouting that, but I'm sure communicating it. When I'm not paying attention, maybe I'm on my phone, I'm scrolling, just not interested. I don't care. That's what we're doing. I don't care. I'll let you talk because that's what we're supposed to do, but I don't care. But if I am silent, I'm not inspiring my wife to give access to her heart. Why would she open up to that? Why would she want to be a part of what that guy is doing? And if you do not care, that's a dangerous place for our hearts. It's dangerous. Because if you don't care, then you don't have trust. And if you don't have trust, who do you go to? What are you going to do when you have that need? So if a guy cannot get broken vertically with God, how are we to be broken before our spouse? But broken does not mean we're not learning. We're great lovers or great forgivers. And the relationships you have here are to be the greatest relationships in your life. I hope. I hope that that can be said true of this church and this church family, that some of the greatest, if not the greatest, relationships we have in life are found here. Because Bible says people will know we are Christians by the ways we love one another, by the quality of relationships that we have in this place. And so, you know, if someone starts spouting, ah, oh, those people and those Christians or those, you know, right-wingers or left-wingers or those, you know, town board members or those school board, you know, whatever we start spouting off about. And we just go poo-poo on everybody. Not interested. Do not care. I don't trust them. They don't trust me. So that's when we are spouting. So instead of spouting, might it be that we turn to Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, if I'm honest, my heart is not in this thing. I'm honest, my heart is freaking out. God, if I'm honest, I don't really know what to do. And so I'm going to turn to you instead of turning to shutting off. I'm going to turn to you instead of responding with whatever nonsense words I have to say. So in 1 Chronicles 12, David, King David is running. He's not quite king yet, but he's running for his life from King Saul. And Saul is trying to kill him. Sometimes we approach people with good motives. We're willing to trust. We're willing to go out and live life. And we're even wanting to bless them. And sometimes even when you take them those groceries, or you go out of your way to give them that gas card, or you just check in on them and make them make sure they're okay. We can get these crazy reactions. And is it something that I said? Did I do something wrong? Why in the world is they having this response to me? And really what we're needing to know is that we just live in a world full of broken people. And sometimes people do not return good with good. And people get wonky and they get weirded out. But I encourage you, do not stop loving. And trusting people just because they are not trustworthy. What? They messed me up. They went behind my back. They ruined my business. They ruined my marriage. My kids are now all confused. But we're supposed to love and trust them still? Yeah. Because that's the way of Jesus. 
And so often when we look at this and we see that people are just trying to rip each other off and only trust people as far as we can throw them to remember that Jesus spilled his blood for them just like he spilled his blood for us. And if God chooses to love them, are we willing to somehow find a way to love them too? We want to do that with wisdom and bear in mind the positions and the authority we give to voices in our lives. So why would I entrust my heart and what affects me and moves my internal needle with somebody besides those we do trust? So if Jesus is trustworthy with our soul, why would we not trust him with our relationships and the remainder of our life? So if Jesus, if God, is trustworthy with our soul in eternity, then he is trustworthy with our marriage today. He's trustworthy in our friendships today. If we're willing to think, all right, God, someday I know that you're going to save me. But right now, this is I'm going to figure this thing out, and I'm going to do this thing in a way that makes sense to me. And if you were to open your heart to that and say, Jesus, I don't really know, and I'm not sure, and I'm trying to make the right moves, and I'm trying to make the logical moves, and the moves that are going to bless my family and take care for them and provide, and God, I'm going to trust you with this thing. He is trustworthy. So going back to Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its so if we choose to use this tool, excuse me, choose to use this tool to go off or maybe even to talk to God and say, God, I don't know about this thing, but I'm going to trust you with it. And if we're willing to trust him with our salvation, are we willing to trust him with our marriage today? And so speak into your spouse, fellas. Speak into your spouse, ladies. Don't assume they know what you're thinking. This goes for expectation. That goes for men and women. This goes for expectations that you have that they don't know. Disappointments that you might have that they don't even realize. Statements of affection that you think that they should know that you love them. But I'll tell you, if you speak it, there's some affection that could come your way, fellas. So go over the top in telling your spouse what you admire about them. Go over the top in naming what has been amazing and what they have done in their lives. Tell your children what inspires you about them. Even if it's just that they exist, that you're proud of them, that they are with you. Tell your boss that you have their back. Tell your friend what their support has meant all these years. Come on, dusty bones. Come alive and bring life with your new tongue. So we are how Jesus is recreating creation. So as we dive into dripping from your lips today, go back to Titus next week, and then we'll move back into dripping from our lips. What is it that you're going to let drip from your lips? Is it going to be continue to be the same thing? Is it going to continue to be the same stories? Is it going to be the same Experiences. Is it going to be the same flavors? Maybe you try a banana. Or you try to throw an apple. But to know that we are how Jesus is recreating creation. And are we going to sit back and just do recreation? 
Or are we going to be a part of what Jesus is doing with restoration? So will you use what drifts from your lips to bring life, knowing that along the way you will take shots, knowing that along the way you will experience wounds? And I encourage you, and I plead with you, choose to say, I am in the business of restoration, not animation or extermination, but restoration. And I lay down my life because I am devoted to a Jesus who laid down his, and he rose again so that I can too. Let's pray. God, as we consider these concepts, and maybe all we remember is an apple, or maybe all we remember is some silly story or whatever came to mind when we first had this experience of talk to our neighbor. But God, that we are submitted to you and that we are following you and that we are trying to learn to be transformed, to be made different and new and restored, to be redeemed, to throw out all these Christianese words just to say that, God, would you take hold of our hearts? We are open to you, God, that you are spurring and sparking and starting something in us and that we are to respond back to you. As we turn to you, God, your face turns to us, and there's just this continual communication that happens as we speak our realities and truths and our hopes and our passions to you, Lord. God, would you give us new ones, and that we can then live and experience and explore this world, this adventure that is awaits. God, as we take hits and wounds, and as we maybe take stands, that we are willing to be unmoved emotionally, and yet so gripped by you that it's okay if we take wounds, we can bring them to you, Lord. God, you are good. And even when we don't feel it, can we speak it to make it real, to remind ourselves that maybe we just need to breathe and to name that Jesus, God, Jesus, you died on the cross, that you rose again, and that has changed me. Glory to God. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.